The Incomparable Number 168 November 2013 Welcome back to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and I'm joined by a, a cast of people who have decided that uh, even though their mom told them that TV rots their brain, they, they thought, huh, what's a little rot? I could watch TV. It's the, We're going to talk about the fall TV season, returning shows, new shows, what we're liking, what we're not liking, uh, so that you can listen to this show, file it away, listen to it in three years when these things come on Netflix. <laughs> so, uh, Or maybe you can watch them right now. Joining me are um, four gentlemen who all um, have let their brains rot by watching television. Uh, first off, uh, it's uh, he may you may know him as a guy who writes things, but he also watches TV. Uh, David Lore, hi David. <laughs> hi, yeah, I, I need something to sort of wind down from uh, all the writing. Turn off and your brain, exactly. Watch a little TV. Yes, people told me, you know, oh, you know, kids who watch too much TV, they're going to be illiterate. They're not going to be able to write anymore. Which is why, you know, I am illiterate and don't write anything. Uh, Dan Morin is also here. Dan also is known for watching television, most particularly Supernatural, but he does watch other programs too. Hi, Dan. Oh, me like TV. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Finally, the real Dan. Man, I, I can't be on a show without you making fun of Supernatural. Jeez. Nope. You've watched Supernatural, Jason. I have. I know this for a fact. I have several episodes of it. Yeah, I'll talk about it later. Okay. Uh, Andy Anatko is also here, uh, a, re- a Renaissance man, and even people in the Renaissance had lower art that they watched as well as higher art. No, we kid television, huh? and, and we kid Andy Anatko, who's here. Hi, Andy. I, I just want to say that I, my rot is more like mulch, and that it's too late uh, for me, but hopefully it will cause newer and livelier vegetation to, uh, to, to, to bloom. Sure. Sure. You seem to be that, that that's that's a condescending tone of voice, Jason. That's a very, very poor way to start no, off. Ve- Vegetation is a difficult word. Well, I've only had like three cokes already, for heaven's <laughs> know. sakes. I know. Let me redose myself. He's been watching TV. All right, now all of my mockery of television, which I love and watch way too much of and have watched historically way too much of, is just a lead in to the fact that Scott McNulty is here, the man who has read every book, and not to be stopped, he has also watched many T V shows. Hi Scott. If there's one thing I love as much as books, it's television. Wow. That's saying something. That's impressive. That's true. And I love book TV on C-SPAN. It's my favorite show. I, I'm sure it, it would have to be. It's inevitable. It's true. Now, Scott, have you ever used like your big, big like living room TV to read books on, just like in that AT&T TV of the Future commercial from like 1998? Yes. And then I hear Tom Selleck in my voice saying, you uh, will. That's that's just Magnum PI on the TV. That's a deep cut there. The U, AT&T You Will's and, commercial. In my day, television was called books. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Peter Falk. <laughs> thank you, Columbo. TV's Columbo. Oh. Uh, just one more thing, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, TV Steve Jobs. I can't. Yeah. Oh. Uh, all right. So fall TV, I, I, it used to be all the shows started in the fall, and now shows are on in the spring. They're on in the summer. I blame climate change. They're on any crazy time. But still, there are many shows that debut in the fall, and I think that this is always a good time to talk about kind of a grab bag here in The Incomparable. Instead of diving deep on one show, we cover a bunch of the stuff that's on and and that's that's been on and that's caught our fancy in in some way. So I think we should start by talking about um, if there was an anticipated geeky TV show for the fall, it was... The Joss Whedon co-created and produced 
ABC's Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's almost musical when you say it like that. Yes, it is. It is. Give me an S. <laughs> I don't know. No. It might be better as a musical. Couldn't be worse. I, oh, Agents <laughs> of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I, I'm a huge Joss Whedon fan, and I... um. I like so much of what he does, and 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 Buffy the Vampire Slayer is my favorite TV show of all time, and I was excited to see him get a uh, a major network show with real support from the network and the studio, and he's got the clout to sort of do this after the after the um, success of the Avengers, and then we got this show that is like it's just not very interesting. And it feels at times like <laughs> like I'm watching an episode of like the A team. <laughs> without, without the, the, without had, the, cool the A team had charm. Without the blowing up of as much stuff and the cool van and they don't build stuff and, really. And in the, the interesting characters. Yeah. And and the comedy. So what's what's wrong what's wrong with Agents? I'll I'll start and then maybe we can go around because I think we'll have a, a lot of them to choose from here what's wrong with agents of shield i'll start and say i think one of the problems with agents of shield is that they took clark Gregg as colson who's this character that everybody likes from the movies and he's a secondary character and he's the everyman and the man in the star of the show which i thought was a great move because he's a very likable character and for whatever reason whether it's because they've got this sort of story arc or because they're just afraid of making him too human um he's really boring he's like wise and he always he always knows what's going on he's he's got he's got a uh, you know he he doesn't feel like a regular character to me he feels like this kind of archetype that's been dropped down it's like well colson always knows everything and he's always going to end up on the on the right side here and he's and they made him boring and 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 so we're left when without him we're left with the rest of the cast and those characters aren't very interesting either and i was hoping that that colson would be the thing that would allow us to really get access to this world and as much as I like the actor and I liked the character in the other movies, in the show he's just sort of passive and 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 you know and again he makes these kind of wise pronouncements and things like that. But he he's never he never gets really gets dirty. You never feel like you know this guy's a a real you know more well defined character. He's just kind of there. Um, so that's one that's that's the one thing that jumped out at me is I think that the whole uh, Colson thing, which I thought was an asset, is actually a liability. What do other people think? Scott, you you renounced this show after about four episodes. <laughs> I did because the the fifth episode, I think I don't know which episode it was with the one with the guy who had uh, he was a street magi- magician. Scorch. Was, yeah, I right. stopped watching that like the fire guy. In. I was like this. I've hit my limit. Of crappy TV, and you were gone. <laughs> I deleted it from my my TiVo season pass, and it was gone. Mid-episode. Mid-episode. Even, I would say, the first quarter of the episode. What I couldn't understand watching uh, this show was, A, why it was so bad, but B, it just... I'm no expert on uh, how to make a TV show look good, but this TV show just looked cheap to me. I don't know why. Maybe it was the lighting. Mm. Something about it just makes me... I watched, like, The Blacklist. That looks like a little movie that they shot for TV. And I watch Marvel, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and it looks like uh, a sitcom with boring characters. And somebody sets things on fire. It's surprisingly... <laughs> it feels surprisingly cheap. And I've heard lots of theories. I heard somebody say that they think it's the way it's shot and, and the way it's lit is that it's this sort of like sitcom-y, everything's really well lit when it could be more moody. And I think there's some truth 
to that that it that it doesn't feel cinematic in any way it feels really flat and and yeah. and bright and you know I, I think that's one reason it does feel cheap it feels like they got they went so far down the well we can't do a superhero every week because we don't right. have the budget and they ended up with something that's just like like i said the a team it's like a no budget action show it will have to make it super cheap it doesn't take that much budget to do a superhero every week i feel like even there's plenty of shows that are special effects heavy but don't have to rely on the crutch of special effects. I mean, like yeah. that's like saying Buffy didn't have enough budget to do a monster every week, right? Like, there's clever ways to get around that if you Heroes, are willing to arms, delve into arrow, you know, the psychological aspect of it rather than just the ooh, look, flashy special effects. Right, and I mean, it's clearly a stylistic choice, I assume, but I don't know why they would pick it because it just looks like crap. Especially because, as a lot of people point out, there's you know, there's like a really deep bench in Marvel that you could like, all right, you know, hey, there's all these characters we're never going to use for anything. Let's not use any of them. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the big problem is that this this show just does not have a reason to exist. Corporate synergy is a reason. Yeah, ex- exactly. It's, it's like you start off. It's it's like when you, it's like some of these really really like bad like American international pictures from the '60s where you can see that the premise of the movie is. Some guy knew another guy who could get them access to the sets from this really, really expensive Egyptian movie. And so they said, what can we do with like an interior pyramid set, a car, uh, and, a, and a restaurant set? And that's the movie that they made. It's like, I think that this movie started off because they have this pro- this popular pop property, the Avengers, from the movie. Let's find a way to take everything that everybody already knows about that and basically transplant that into a TV series. And we'll have the character that people are familiar with and the basic premise that people are familiar with, but no other reason for this thing to exist. And there are better decisions that he could have made, right? I mean, unless the studio very specifically said, we want this concept, I sort of got the had the assumption that Joss Whedon was asked to deliver a TV series in this yeah. world, and he chose this, well, they're on a plane and they're agents and all of that, but... It's carpet remnants. That's what it is. Well, and even there, <laughs> I've seen S.H.I.E.L.D.-ish stories there was a Marvel, um, God, I can't. I wish I remember the name of it, but it was it was a it was a, a, a sort of a Shield agent team up, team up, but they like fought you know giant monsters and things like that, and it was a really fun kind of thing. Or you take yeah some other group, you do you know the Runaways, or you do some, which Joss Whedon wrote some issues of. Um, but instead, there's the it's this bizarre kind of like flavorless premise inside this this universe and then marvel just recently announced a deal with netflix where they're going to make daredevil and jessica jones and and luke cage and iron fist um miniseries on netflix and and i look at agents of shield (laughs) now and i think wow you know really why does this show exist in this kind of flat boring format you could have even done it in a different way i mean like you know looking at the trailers for like the upcoming captain america movie like there's like you could do the intrigue angle like i think to a certain extent they try to do too much like hey we can do superheroes and spy stuff and all this and it's like you know what you needed to pick an idea and go with that right yeah. and, the, and the other and the other thing I'll, I'll say the one the other thing that really annoyed me about it was that it presumes that well of course this person has seen every single marvel movie and they've read all of the comic books we don't have to give them a self-contained entertainment unit because if they're if they don't know what extremist technology is or if they don't know who that dude is that's just an excuse for them to go and spend twenty dollars to buy this dvd or blu-ray that's it'll win i don't know i i, I think the, i think actually that they're not leaning if you're going to lean in lean in all the way the fact that you say well this is extremists like well okay and if you don't get it i I, it's a it's a fire guy it's a lame guy with fire in his hand it doesn't really matter that that's tied into (laughs) iron man 3 and 
and yeah, the the uh, so one thing I, I I look at this, you know, this is Marvel, but it's ABC and it's Disney, and it's all part of the same company, right? I I I'm interested by the fact that Agents of Shield is, I think, other than Doctor Who, the only uh, hour long show on TV right now, drama series that I actually feel like I could watch with the entire family. It feels like it's the seven o'clock on Sunday, wonderful world of Disney almost kind of level <laughs> where the violence, like the A team, actually, the violence isn't too violent Nobody and it's not really too scary. Hurt. Nobody gets really hurt. And, yeah. and in some ways, I think it's kind of interesting that, that, that if you view it in that way, it's like their attempt to make a family show. The problem is, is that it's not that interesting. That, that and yeah. it, they got renewed for the whole year there's all this corporate synergy maybe they can find a way my hope is that the producers realize it's not working and they've got a year to sort of they've got till the end of the year to figure something out here because as it is it's just a bore i mean that's the thing that's most offensive to me about it is that not that it's i don't i don't know if i would say that it's bad i would say that it's just boring it's like there's nothing yeah interesting in it at all it's it's a waste of potential The, the first episode we watched it and my older son is sitting there. Now, he's 11. He still hasn't seen Iron Man 3. And they get to the whole extremist thing. And he, he immediately goes, that's cheating because I haven't seen the movie. And I need to know that. What the hell? So yeah. they already pissed him off in the, in the pilot. <laughs> and then the second episode is basically a bottle episode. They're on the plane for almost the whole thing. And it's like, you, you're doing a bottle episode as your second episode? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and the first one didn't look that expensive either. It was not one of these no. things like Lost or something where they pay they 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 I, I thought the pilot was like, let's show you what the show will look like when we do it on a week to week budget. And then the, then <laughs> yeah. this episode two was like cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, so so I'm watching it and, and I get to the one I, I think it was called I Spy, and it's it it actually, you know, the the teaser started out kind of interesting and you you've got all the you know, this this uh, what this metro station in Stockholm and and all yep. these figures in red masks with briefcases and they're all walking and no one's really paying attention to them and you're you're watching this going wow this is really interesting what's going to happen and then you immediately have all of the people in red masks massacred by this one person and then the story goes off in a totally different direction and it never addresses the fact that they're all in these red masks and they're all doing this thing and <laughs> and it's like you took the most interesting, most visually exciting thing you've done, and you got rid of it in the first four minutes, and then you went off and told this really stupid story. What is wrong with you people? I'm glad you mentioned that episode, because that was that episode was the best example, but there are lots of them. Where one of the problems I have with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's meant to be this globetrotting kind of like group mm. of people who are members of a secret organization, and they have to solve these things. I've seen this show, I saw it a decade ago. And Alias from 10 years ago did Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. double as well as well, for, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. For two seasons. Well, okay. For three, <laughs> maybe three. But, but right, yeah. right now, actually, I would say, Dan, Dan, Alias, its entire run did better Ooh, than Agents burn. of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay, oh, yeah. That's a, take that. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. That's uh, below the belt there. Because there they had they had their, you know, green screen fake, you know, oh, yes, we're in Stockholm now. Oh, it's the LA no, Metro. They did, they did very well, though. I yeah. mean, I feel like there are, there are a couple shows that I've seen. Uh, that one comes to mind, and the USA Network Covert Affairs, which is also a spy show, does a good job of, like, you know what? I actually believe that you are like you know in this city. It doesn't matter. Like you know, it it's you whatever you've done for your production, uh, you know, jo- 
job there. It, it, it's it's enough to suspend my disbelief, right? So with Alias, it really worked for me, and I was like, yeah, yeah, Alias had had you know characters, and it had some some sort of dynamism. It was never boring, even when it was just like, I mean, it, when in doubt, Jennifer Garner's got a lot of charisma. You put her in a in a weird outfit and a strange wig, and she's walking <laughs> through some Euro trash cocktail party somewhere, and there's a bomb somewhere, and it moved, and they had the crazy music, and and then there's Agents of Shield, which is just like a a flat pale replica of i mean it's been done abc has done it better than this they need to put agent colson in a crazy dress and send him to a cocktail man i would pay for that (laughs) well they got to do that episode by the end of the year he's trying to get out of shield by pulling a section eight like clinger exactly it's the clinger (laughs) episode i want to get out of this show it's too lame agents of mash Well, it's like people keep saying, oh, Joss Whedon, you know, shows his shows the first season is kind of rocky. Yeah, you know, know, give it time. And you know what? Maybe Buffy was rocky. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was was still great. It was great. It was legitimately great. And, you know, Angel was fun. Yeah. And and Firefly Firefly was the whole thing. Only had one season. And it was good from the. Basically, Dollhouse had a bad season, right? Yeah. Yeah. Another bad season. This, This isn't Joss Whedon, though, right? I mean, it is Joss Whedon wrote a pilot and his, he put his brother and sister-in-law in charge of our writer's room and it's got some good people in it including people who worked on angel um but it's not you know he's got a he apparently was like rewriting parts of thor and he's you know prepping avengers 2 and he's not it's not his show and he was he was consulting on captain america 2 and i think that's the issue is like i think he potentially has like a lot of passion for that idea but then he's like, all right, I got this great idea. I love it. Uh, well, I'm way too busy to do it, though. And then he hands it off. And I think the, you know, the, he handed it off to people they trust. But I think also people who <laughs> maybe don't have the same level of enthusiasm for this particular idea that he did. It, that's what it kind of feels to me like. It falls flat when they, on the execution. It feels like what he does is he, he has this salt shaker full of Joss Whedon's magic pixie dust. And he feels as though, see, I've just sprinkled the Joss Whedon magic pixie dust over the script. Now just don't ruin it. Here you go. You're welcome. Where's that check? You can see the lines in the pilot that are the, you know, ironic, uh, humorous, <laughs> and and kind of enjoyable. Like, Coulson's got his whole thing from the shadows. And he's like, I think there's a bulb out over there. You know, that was funny and all, but there's nothing to there's nothing around it. And honestly, you know, the irony and the, and the dialogue, while enjoyable in Joss Whedon's things, is not the thing that makes them good. That that annoyed me. Right, I I gotta right. say that annoyed me. That's 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 self aware and yep. saying I'm I'm way cool. I the screenwriter am way cooler than the script that I'm writing. Uh, but here's the here's the thing. In Buffy, you could get away with that because the fact is the characters were pr- practicing an ironic r- remove from what what was going on. But the characters were there and the situation was there to support it. And in this, what we've got is a scaffolding for corporate synergy and <laughs> right. insert witty dialogue here. And insert, you know, beefcake character over here. We we call him Kendall. Okay, I feel like we've beaten beaten this Agent <laughs> Handsome. I think is what we call him, David. I think we've beaten this one to death. Suffice it to say, Agents of Shield. We don't like it. All right, let's step away from the boob tube for just a minute to talk about our first sponsor. It's HostGator, returning sponsor. Love having these guys on the show. Uh, HostGator dot com. That's gator like an alligator. Their mascot is a big old alligator. So it's hostgator, G-A-T-O-R, dot com. And what do they do? They are a premier web hosting and domain name provider. So if you want to host a website, they can do it. 
if you want to register a domain, HostGator's got you covered. So if you're looking to start up a website, HostGator will get you started with a monthly plan. They've got one-click installs. So if you want to install something like WordPress, you press a button, boom, it's installed. Tons of other features that make getting sites up and running easy. There's not a lot of setup time. You don't have to get frustrated. You can just get going in a hurry with HostGator. If you're a more advanced user, somebody who uh, knows their way around web hosting, or if you're a business, hey, it's fine. HostGator can take care of you. They've got reseller plans. They've got VPS and dedicated servers. And a guarantee, my favorite part of HostGator, guarantee 99.9% uptime. And that's no matter your size or your needs. Now, if you are a WordPress user, like I said, this one-click install gets you going on WordPress. You don't have to mess around with your whole install, and there's a whole optimized hosting platform for WordPress. And when you host with HostGator, you get unlimited disk space and bandwidth. There are free site builder tools to get started. And if you do run into problems, they have 24-7 tech support. So you can always be sure somebody's there to help you get your site up and running smoothly and keep it running with that unlimited bandwidth and disk space. So what do you do? You go to HostGator, HostGator.com, H-O-S-T-G-A-T-O-R, to learn more. And when you decide to buy, please use the code that lets you know you came from the incomparable. Here it is, Snell sent me 11. That's right, Snell sent me 11. And what that code gets you, not only does it tell them that you came from the incomparable and it supports us, you get 30% off everything they offer. So it's a good deal for you. It's a good deal for us. And thanks so much to the good people at HostGator for once again sponsoring the incomparable. Let's move on. I wanted to bring up a show that uh, I I was aware was on the air when, when it came on the air called Sleepy Hollow. And it turned out to be a hit in the ratings and because a lot of people, for some reason, inexplicably found themselves tuning in to Sleepy Hollow on the day that it premiered. I was one of those people. And I got to say, <laughs> uh, the, Sleepy Hollow is ridiculous. It's insane. And I have watched every episode and I like it a lot. <laughs> I concur. Yeah. Oh, oh Scott, we're, we're together on this one. It's true. It's This is like National Treasure, the TV series. It is. <laughs> yes. a, it is. I think this is better than National Treasure. I'm sorry. But it's actually good. But it's actually, well, it I is. mean, in the sense that it's like George Washington yeah, knew same, there was a secret sure. conspiracy to end the world, and that was the secret untold tale of the American Revolution, uh, and now Ichabod Crane's been sent to the present day <laughs> to fight the four horsemen of the apocalypse, one of whom is the Headless Horseman. Of course, FYI. of course. It makes so much sense. It's it's national treasure, except it realizes how insane it is. Sure. Well, and it's got the whole a little more supernaturally stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but whole, it's like, that it's that sort of level of, and, yeah. of ridiculousness that you're like, all right, just go with it, right? It's crazy. Yeah. Of course it's no, crazy. But it, it buys in, and that's that's what in some ways that's what, you know, Agents of Shield is missing. Like it feels like the people who are in this especially I think the guy, what's his name? Tom Meissen, is that Missen? I don't know how you pronounce his name, but yeah, the guy who plays Ichabod Crane, he pretty much, I think he throws himself into that yeah. really, oh, he's great. really well. Yeah. He's great. I, yeah, he's I, very I, good. Both, both the leads on this uh, on this show are very uh, enjoyable. I like their rapport together. I like those two characters. I think that, you know, casting goes a long way. I haven't, casting a couple of really winning yeah. 
actors in your lead roles can can spackle over a lot of uh difficulties especially at the beginning of a series and sleepy hollow's got the casting and they did some weird casting decisions in the like john cho appears and is killed and then comes (laughs) back it's like we could get him again clancy brown who's uh, right basically shows up in all like flashbacks and he's yeah he's killed and then they're like but we could bring him back in flashbacks uh (laughs) but the two main characters are are really enjoyable and i like this kind of crazy mythos they've got about the end of the world and and it's it, it's toggling between the x-files kind of like here's a weird thing that's happening in this town because it's on a hellmouth essentially and and then the story arc parts of it and they go back and forth and it's an, and and they've got a like a a lair that's in a like boarded up old part of the police station <laughs> that's from the 1700s which is ridiculous but uh, it's crazy i have to say it's, it'd be really funny and like you know after this show runs like seven seasons and is like a huge hit or something and you have to tell people that orlando jones started his career as a you know spokesperson for seven up <laughs> Basically, oh, yeah. it was what he was best known for before the show. Like, I mean, poor guy, you know, had a terrible, you know, career choices, I think, in between then. And now he's back as a straight man, which is very odd. Those of us who remember him from earlier roles, it's very strange to see him. It is the, it's very odd. The, he's like the chief. He's like, keep me informed. I am amused that they. his name is Irving. Well. Who, of course, is the, yeah, the mm. writer of. Of Ichabod Crane, although that apparently doesn't exist in this universe. No, because that Ichabod Crane is a totally different character than this guy, who's a revolutionary, you know, soldier uh, f- fighting against the British, and then he gets thrown forward in time. And it sounds just as crazy as we're making it out to be. It is. <laughs> it, it is. That's the really four- fun, though. Yeah, there's witches, and and they got the Salem witch trial in there. There's an episode where they <laughs> tossed in uh, Roanoke. Just throw everything in. And the, the disappeared colony of Roanoke and explained that. It all makes sense now. <laughs> I was I was on board when I watched the pilot and they took care of the whole uh you know, you know, everyone knows the Headless Horseman story. So they did that in the first two minutes. Yes. And then they changed it and then it was that was it. Never mind, it's not that at all. And I was like, okay. They I'm did on board that with there's this. a nice joke where they um where the, the sword of the horseman or whatever cuts off the top of a sign. And it's a sign of a guy, you know, a little stick figure guy. So yeah. that he, lo- the sign has lost its head. <laughs> it's just, and then they hang oh, it in the captain's office. They do. Then they put like, three episodes later. Yeah, yeah. That's it's funny. good. It's it's it you know, moments. It's a fun show. It's silly and fun, and and the characters are nice, and the actors are good, and and uh, I'm looking forward to where to where it goes. It's uh, yeah. It's I, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Really surprised. It's it's kind of wonderful too that it's a it's a really diverse cast. Except at no point are they going, "Hey, look, we have a really diverse cast." It's it's just this sort of matter of fact. Hey, look, this is the real world. Yeah. Other than other than I mean, they, they do that moment with Ichabod Crane and Abby. I think is the name of the 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 woman who's the in the sheriff's office who's the other lead. And there's a moment just like there was when in Doctor Who when the, Martha went to Shakespeare's time, and there's that moment of like. Right. You know, not exactly white. <laughs> there's, 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 this could be an issue, and he has that moment because he's like, you know, he's obviously from revolutionary times, and and there's that there's a moment of like there were slaves, and that I I didn't like that sort of thing, and all of that. But other than that, it's kind of yeah, it's not relevant. You had to do it, like yeah. like it had to be acknowledged because yeah. otherwise it would yeah. you know it would strike as false, I think. But yeah, I mean, they got it out of the way, and they're like they're not like dwelling on it, right? It's not yeah. like every episode's right. about that. And they're they're embracing the show embraces its own ridiculousness. So yes. I have no problem with the like all of the clearly ridiculous things that they yeah. do, and it makes the parts where they kind of um, 
acknowledge the fact that Ichabod Crane is, uh, you know, outside of his time, even more amusing to me. Like when he was, they, there was a scene where he was running in like a tunnel and he got a gun. And so he shot it once. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then he threw it away. Threw it away. <laughs> and uh, she was like, why did you throw your gun away? He said, what? I shot it. She said, you could shoot it more than once. And he was like, really? And yeah. I thought that was <laughs> Well, that followed up when she was trying to explain a gun to him. And he's like, I do know how a gun works. And then he, yeah, he throw, fires it once and tosses it away. <laughs> well, I like that in a, I, I've been catching up, so I'm a couple episodes behind. But like, there's an episode I just watched where they're fighting off the Hessian, the Hessians. I like, I love that they work the Hessians into this. Um, but like, she gives him a gun again, and he like stands out there with like one hand behind his back, like he's doing like the dueling pistol thing. <laughs> it's just a little thing, but I was like, that's yeah. hilarious because like yeah. he's not going to use whatever you know. He's not going to shoot a gun like a trained police officer would shoot a gun. And he's still wearing his uh, his crazy uh, old timey clothes, and they're, they're gradual. It's gradually becoming more of an issue where she's like, "Are you going to wear those clothes all the time? Because they look cool. They want to keep him in those clothes, but why does he not wear other clothes?" So yeah, he's a hipster. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah, you know, actually, Jason, what the, the show it reminds me most of is uh, Supernatural. <laughs> oh. oh, Supernatural. It's true. It's true. I knew that was coming. I'm just saying. It, there's a lot of... There's a lot, I watched... So the episode I just watched with the Hessians also has the... Where they try to summon the demons or something in the church. And it's got like that weird, crazy baptismal font with all the demons crawling out of it. Which was a cool special effect. But yeah, it's nice. It's a... Uh, it's, uh, yeah, interesting show. And uh, I grew up very near Tarrytown, which is actually Sleepy Hollow, and renamed itself Sleepy Hollow uh, several years back. So, In order to tie in with this show, which they knew was coming. Exactly. Although I'm pretty <laughs> sure they do not shoot in uh, the actual Sleepy Hollow. No, it's, yeah, it's North Carolina. They have that fringe thing where it's like, oh, something's happened in, uh, you know, uh, Virginia, and then two seconds later they're there. Yeah, Matt, well, you know. Magic. I know, it's a TV show, but it's like, you know, come on. It takes a little while to get there. I want to see people driving. I want to see Ichabod Crane on a plane. Crane on a plane. That could be uh. the season finale. <laughs> get this mother bleeping yeah. crane. Yeah. All right, so what else What else do we have? Uh, what else What else to talk about? You, you mentioned, so someone just mentioned, Scott, you mentioned Fringe, because then the blacklist also kind of reminds me of Fringe. And Alias sometimes, too. Yes, it's, yes. That's, that is a show with many, many parents. James Spader's uh, The Blacklist, because it is his show. It's clearly designed around him. He is he is a Red Reddington, the uh, like world's most famous villain or something, and uh, he uh, like walks into the FBI and says that he'll only talk to this one agent. And uh, so they, it's her first day. So they get her and bring her over. And no, she doesn't know him. And nobody knows why they're connected. And so there's your story arc. And then he says, I will bring you criminals um, you know, from your most wanted list who I don't like. And I will uh, – I will. It's. I'm not sure the premise – really could, makes sense but can hold even a little bit of water because it's like because <laughs> in the second episode he's like in the bahamas or something it's like wait wait they let him go because in the first episode he's in like a hannibal lecter kind of contraption i guess they gotta let him go because otherwise ha- it's pretty- james spader in a box for like a season <laughs> <laughs> i would watch that that's a game show james spader in a box he's got to keep active or else right or else he's- the criminals will know he's yeah. turned traitor in the in the first episode, he said, "If you don't let me go, I will not give you all this right delicious information." Right. So he's like, there's a long game, and there's a, and there's that story arc. But week to week, he is he's like, "Here's somebody you can take down." And then there are 
episodes that are more kind of like actiony. Uh, the one that I just watched uh, the other day was like uh, it was like an episode of Alias. It was like they're you know let's swap this thing in and there's a camera here and we'll and there's a party that we're. I mean it was very very Alias like and and then it also had like the guy who buried somebody alive and there's the ticking oh, clock yeah. and all of that. Yes. So there's so many different things that they they try, but you know James Spader is really interesting. The um. The the female lead is good, although they've done some interesting things with her in the pilot. She's she's played um, much younger, and they make her like she's. I mean, she's essentially Clary Starling. She's like it's her. It's my first day on the job, and I'm completely innocent. And in the second episode, suddenly she's dressed like a like a much like a thirty year old. And now and it's explained that it was her first day on that job, but she's had many other jobs and has been doing this for a while now. And they like try to back jobs. it off. Yeah. Tried to back it off a little bit. But I, I enjoy this show. Um, you know, James Spader goes a long way to make it palatable, but it's spotty, but I think it's a good show. I think they do a I liked the bit that they sort of introduced at the end of the first episode with her husband with you know is he who he says he is is he part of this you know right. plot in some way um and even though they've quote unquote resolved it like they still have left just enough wiggle room in there oh, yeah. to like let james spader sort of nudge her about it every once in a while and it is really hard to watch them be like wow, i can't wow i cannot trust him like even if they've sort of absolved him like i feel like eh, i don't know <laughs> he reminds me of alias, alias too because yeah. i i remember how in the um in the pilot of Alias, she's got the boyfriend, and he's murdered by the by by the SD six, right. and and then she joins, you know, and then she joins up. And I I thought that you know this guy isn't murdered, but he's immediately called into question about whether he's a trustworthy uh, husband or not because they're the you know the weird passports and things like that. And is was he you know is he a double agent or a single agent a sleeper agent we, and, uh, and we just we just don't know an, but it's very interesting an agent of shield no that that's <laughs> now that's a different kind of sleeper agent it's sleeper oh. agent of shield. <laughs> just a sleepy agent yeah <laughs> yes i enjoy, i think i enjoy it most because james spader is just kind of gnawing on any piece of scenery that he can get <laughs> uh, in this character which i find very amusing doesn't that go a little a little bit well, go a long way it's I I I think that this is probably the third James Spader role in the uh, that I've seen that that really just made me think I wish he'd go back into comedy I wish that he <laughs> you know I, I bet he's, he's like he's it's like it's 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 like he saw it's like he saw Christopher Walken's like how 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 playing that I'm gonna just be really really funny creepy I'm gonna develop that persona and I'm gonna ride that into ten years with those SNL appearances and like background characters and major movies. Well, I think they use him. I, I mean, I think when this show is crafted for him, it's actually crafted for him in the way where he's not always at the center of it, too. I think that's actually very uh, clever on the producer's part that he's always in it, but right, he's yeah, not. He's just like a little dab of Spader. They don't drag him along to all of these things, right? Like they they have the other characters. There's Harry again. There, there's Harry Lennox doing the keep me informed, <laughs> skeptical chief, and uh, and then there's you know Johnny Squarejaw agent, and then there's our our female lead who doesn't know why she's involved in this. Johnny Squarejaw agent, incidentally, is was on Homeland for the first two seasons. Ah, yes, he was. They gave him a blonde hair. Like I don't know if that's his natural hair color or not, but it was so jar. 
jarring to see him because he has really, really dark hair on Homeland. And he's got this like almost golden blonde hair. Oh, dreamy. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is, is I get your I get your point, Andy, that a little spader goes a long way. But I, I feel like he's modulated. Like I, I get enough of him that I enjoy it without it being like if he was in every scene, I would want to just throw something at the TV. <laughs> but instead he comes yeah. in and he's like, oh, did that not work out for you? Well, I've got a new plan for you. And then and then he goes away again. And, and I kind of it's like I feel like they're deploying him really well because it could be he could be overused. And I don't I in the blacklist, I feel like they're using him just enough. And then, yes, not more than that. The central question for me, though, I have I haven't watched this this show. One of the reasons that kept me away is that anytime I get the sense that they're just going to tease us and tease us and tease us to this about the central question without ever making forward progress on it, does it sound as though we're going to find out what this really is all about, or we're going to be season six and they're going to realize that oh, uh, it turns out that he thought that the agent that he asked for was a different agent, so now they're going to have to find this other agent. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> wrong number. No, I, I, oops. I think there's some forward motion. I would I I would imagine that the it's a season the, one arc. Yeah, thing. I'd imagine the question of why he chose her is a season one arc, and then they would continue with other you know complications after that. But you I'm know. kind of watching because I just want to be assured that it's not the obvious answer, right? I think we right. all went in kind of assuming like he must be her dad or something, right? Because right. her dad is also mentioned yes. as mysteriously disappearing and having been a criminal, or he owes, or he feels he owes, <laughs> or he debt owes to his yeah to her dad. Right. And there's clearly something in some of the more recent episodes they've hinted like he had some, you know, clearly he has some motivation for having this change of heart. Um, so, you know, there, there is an interesting question. Right. Why did he decide to do this? Um, but yeah, it is. It is. I, I, I kind of feel like you have to go in a different direction, if only because it seems like so obvious if you do do it that way. All right. Let's step away from TV one last time. I want to tell you about Another sponsor for The Incomparable. It's a brand new sponsor. I'm very excited about this sponsor. It's lynda.com. lynda.com is a place you go on the web to learn. It's got great, high-quality video courses. So you're not just reading stuff. You are seeing experts show you how to use different kind of bits of technology. And you can see it right in front of you. You can see it and you can hear it. Industry experts like Chris Breen from Macworld, who is also the composer of our own podcast. He's got a lot of Mac courses, but there are all sorts of different courses. There is technical training in developer stuff like Java and Cocoa. There's uh, Windows training. There's Mac training. There is lots of stuff like Final Cut Pro and even Logic Pro 10, which we use to edit this podcast. Aperture, Keynote, iPhoto, you name it. They have courses to show you how to master those skills. Lots of creative stuff like Maya that they've got there, too. Cinema 4D, the whole Adobe Creative Suite. These are all video courses that you can take and become an expert by listening to the experts at lynda.com. I'm going to be brushing up on my HTML and JavaScript skills, which have sadly atrophied in the last few years, and I'm going to use lynda.com to do it, and I'll tell you more about that on future episodes of The Incomparable. Here's how it works. When you have access to lynda.com, you have access to the entire library. You can choose what you want to learn. You can choose when you want to learn it from the entire course library. And there are more than 2,000 courses on lynda.com with more being added every day. The teachers are experts. These are people who work in the field. So you're learning from the masters. And there are lots of different levels of instruction. If you're an expert who wants to just brush up on some very specific techniques, they've got that stuff. And they've also got broad overviews if you're a beginner and you want to get going. You can watch from your computer, but you can also watch from tablets and smartphones. 
you can watch from anywhere you want. The video production is super high quality. They have these state-of-the-art studios. This is not some dude in a shadowy cave uploading a weird shaky cam video to YouTube. This is professional educational content. It's all curated by the people at lynda.com, carefully structured so you will have a great start-to-finish learning experience. So I'm going to be learning from lynda.com. I highly encourage you to try lynda.com and learn some things yourself. And we've got a very special way for you to do this. I worked out a deal with lynda.com that's going to provide incomparable listeners with a free trial to access the entire lynda.com library. Here's what you do. You go to lynda.com. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash incomparable. lynda.com slash incomparable. And what you'll get is a free trial that will let you access everything in the lynda.com library so you can try it out see how great it is and go from there and thanks so much to the good people at lynda.com for teaching me things and letting me brush up on my skills and for sponsoring the incomparable other new shows that we should that we should touch on well yeah um i here here's one that after a couple of episodes of shield my both of my children went can we watch brooklyn 99 instead <laughs> and we do the brooklyn 99 great sitcom from Mike Schur, the uh, the uh, showrunner for Parks and Recreation, um, and it's uh, it's Andy Samberg is the uh, is the star, and Andre Brower, wonderful yeah. wonderful Andre Brower is his, is the gruff but lovable keep me informed police captain in <laughs> Brooklyn Nine Nine. I just and- enjoy that nobody can read him with the whole like they they have all these bits where he's like they can't tell if he's happy. Or upset with them because he has like the same tone all the time. Yeah, he's just dead. Andre Brower yeah. for being a wonderful dramatic actor. He is hilarious in Brooklyn oh. Nine Nine. Well, he was hilarious in Homicide. Well, too. that's oh, true. Gosh. Though, though I have to say, you 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 left out the the to my mind the funniest character in the show, who's Terry Crews' character, oh. the sergeant. He is my absolute <laughs> oh, absolute God. favorite on that entire show. He's got that man has comedic timing like nobody's business. One night Brooklyn Nine Nine aired, and there was a tweet from Monty Ashley who couldn't be with us tonight. Um, and and the tweet was Terry Crews, funny person. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> yep, <laughs> yep, that's that's it. Yeah, the, good cast. A uh, really interesting group of characters. Obviously, you know they're trying to put the sitcom ensemble together. But I, I felt like even in the first episode, I thought the first episode was a winner. It's very rare that I've let I've laughed that much yeah. at a pilot episode of a, of a comedy ever. Um, and it's got that it's and it's got that old. I mean, he, Andy Samberg is because he's basically playing a uh, an adolescent who's now a police detective, but he has the behavior of an <laughs> adolescent. That adds maybe a little more modern touch. But otherwise, I mean. This is basically a reconstituted Barney Miller, and I love that about it. That it's got right down to yeah. the opening credits. It's got that old school cop kind of feel, and the characters are a rich collection of characters in this in this precinct. I, I think that they did the one thing that's nice that it has improved as I've continued to watch it is that they were. It was a little risky in the beginning. I think they were starting to fall into the problem that Parks and Rec had in the first season where some of it felt like the characters didn't like each other enough. Right. But in the more recent mm. episodes, they've done a better job of showing that even at the times that these characters annoy each other, that they are actually friends. And I think that goes a long way to not ending up with sort of just a very alienated feeling like, oh, God, all these people are also idiosyncratic and annoying. Um, but they actually, you know, there's got to be a little bit of heart in there or else it just it just drives you away, I think. Well, yeah, and the, and the character who is the uh, equivalent... 
to uh, Aunt, oh, what's her name Aubrey Plaza on the on uh, Parks and Rec. Mm. Um, the the equivalent in this show she's a she's mysterious, <laughs> but it, it, you get the sense that she doesn't she's she's got a very strange way of approaching the people, but you don't get the sense that she's antagonistic toward them. She's just no. a very strange private weird kind of person but but not in a right but not in a way of like oh she secretly hates them all she's like no no she's a colleague she behaves normally with them you know in some ways and then in other ways not normal at all but right it it doesn't it it it, because in the pilot i was like whoa is she is there something wrong with her and it's like well yes but she's not mean she's just very strange i i love the fact that i mean they've they've said that bernie miller was a huge influence obviously but uh also the wire and homicide are big influences because even before they'd cast Andy Samberg, they described it as this is about the comedy version of Jimmy, of McNulty, Jimmy McNulty yeah, from the wire. And I love the fact that you have comedy McNulty facing off against comedy Pimbleton yeah. from homicide. I mean, that's just beautiful. And the fact that everything else is sort of crystallizing around it is wonderful. I just, I love to see that. And, and, I mean, I'm a huge Parks and Rec fan anyway, Yes, mm. partly because I essentially live in Pawnee, Indiana. Um, <laughs> it's you it's do. uncanny. I've been there. Um, yes. <laughs> you do. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, it's really interesting to see this taking shape and sort of crystallizing a lot quicker in some ways than Parks and Rec did. Because it really... Maybe they learned their lesson. It wasn't until the second season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I think they learned their lesson about... about um, the balance that they were trying to to serve here. Also, I should say, anybody who who says, "Well, this is that sitcom with Andy Samberg as the lead," no, yeah. uh-uh, forget it. It's like, hey, it's an ensemble. I, I I think, and well, here's the thing: is I think Andy Samberg is actually great in this, and I I am not like somebody who is particularly enamored with the the collected works of Andy Samberg, but I think that because he's got these other characters, same here, the, 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 his playing off of Andre Brower is so perfect because it's the mm-hmm. by the book police detective who also or police sergeant who he also wants to get as the captain he wants to get get his goat so there's that and that there's some nice conflict there um i it's it's enjoyable so yeah even if if you were turned off by the idea that this is some sort of post saturday night live andy sandberg vehicle it's um it's better than that and i mean it's got the parks and rec seal of approval too yeah, if you if you for me selling someone the show, just show them the scene where Terry Crews tries to assemble his daughter's dollhouse. <laughs> that was that was my favorite scene. I'm a grown man with grown man hands. Why can't I put together this dollhouse? There's an episode I think last week, maybe where Terry Crews um, can't go to sleep. Yeah, and he's yeah. increasingly strange over the course of the episode, and at some at the at the very end. Um, Andre Brower lets him like lay down, on, lay down on his couch. I'll just turn off the light, and yeah, and he's immediately asleep. But after the entire episode's been awake, <laughs> yeah, they have that great bit in there too, where he's like, "My brother-in-law is visiting, and he thinks, you know, like he, you think I'm a small guy, you know, and and you, you he, that's the one moment I think you see Andre Brower sort of break it, like what? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> Terry Crews <laughs> is I mean, he's like a linebacker, right? Like <laughs> yeah. he's huge. <laughs> we should, Andy. I know you mentioned you wanted to mention Parks and Rec. Well, I, this might be a good moment. Parks and Recreation is back for another season on NBC, and it's uh, it's a show everybody should watch because it's great. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it really did point out uh, an ongoing failing of mine in catching new shows. I, I, I am so quick to judge a, a new show based on the promos that they air before before it actually begins. And Parks and Rec, it really did look like another, uh, not just 
another office-like fake documentary, but a fake documentary that never ever explains why there is a documentary crew that's 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 in every single corner of these people's lives twenty four seven. And so that made me think that okay, well the promo and also the jokes in the promo aren't very good. It's got Aziz Ansari in there, and every time I'd seen him do stand up, I didn't like the character he was doing there. Uh, and it wasn't really until three, truly like three or four weeks ago, that I did the thing that so many people do. I, I started this sort of like bulk watching it on Netflix. Having heard that they didn't really figure out the show until season two, I skipped season one entirely and started with season mm. two, episode one. And then before I knew it, it's like, okay, well, I need to get back to work. Now I'm in the middle of season season three. Damn it. Okay, I'll be up until 4 a.m. But still, it was a good show. Uh, and now I'm I'm almost I, – I, I sort of skipped ahead to season six, and I've got like maybe one more season to go. But, man, I love this show. It's It really just turned me into an instant fan of it because I just uh, – I feel stupid for not having watched it. I I love the fact that they can put in these tiny, tiny little lines that add little bits of texture and little bits of information about the relationship between all of these characters. Because one of the things I don't like about, uh, about so many sitcoms is that I think that eventually most sitcoms devolve into just like a zinger transaction yep. mechanism between the characters. Joke machine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's like every, everything where it's like, yeah, why are these four people together and call themselves <laughs> friends? All they do is like meet up for two hours and insult each other and just like laugh at <laughs> each yeah. other because, aha, yeah, you broke your foot, Mr. Gimpy Limpy guy with a broken foot. <laughs> where do you, how are you going to pay for your medical care without a job? That's how like, we express wow. love. Yeah, it's like, it's like I, I'm, a, I'm afraid to let down my walls and show a genuine emotion. And yet there's, uh, I'll just, there's this one specific line that it's just a throwaway line. The writers did not have to put it in there where Leslie, uh, one of uh, Leslie Nope's uh, staff members has to ask uh, the police. This is for the, 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 uh, the fall uh, harvest festival where they're asking, the, the, uh, someone has to go to the police and ask, hey, can you like get some volunteers, uh, volunteer police officers to run security for us? And they th- and this person thinks it's going to be a big negotiation, but the, the the chief of police simply says Leslie Nope always gets whatever favor she asks for because she never asks for she always asks for favors for other people, and then they move on to like whatever dialogue they need to get into for whatever next plot point is. Such a simple line that indicates gives an extra lay of texture to who this character, who Leslie Nope is, why people are ten- tend to want her to do things for, what, what, why they, why they like her, why they stick around her, and again, it was a disposable line, but the writers thought it was important, and the entire series is full of that, and so that's why I'm, it's such a great show. I love it. You get these, you get these characters who don't seem like they should get along, like Ron and Leslie, and it's. Again, Andy's totally right. Like they do this this brilliant job of coloring in the details. They're not just caricatures, right? They actually are yeah. people. And to me, the beginning of this particular season has, I think, what is my one of my favorite episode or season openings ever in a TV show, which has to do with mm-hmm. Ron getting married. Yes, um, which it's just it's just it's brilliantly <laughs> shot, and it, it really just shows you the whole like the relationship between these two characters. Leslie's sort of like you know like running around flustered like but this is my friend he's getting married i need to do something but like ron being who he is is just like no i'm just gonna do this my own way very very straightforward we're gonna go to the justice peace and get married no you can't do that Um, the reception will be held privately in your individual homes goodbye (laughs) there aren't a lot of sitcoms where the bulk of the comedy is coming from character and and you know it's not gonna give you that bang bang 
you know, joke, a joke every 20 seconds kind of pace. And it, they, it may not even give you the belly laughs that you might get on something that is just hitting you with those one-liners one after the, another. But, you know, Parks and Rec has that, you know, it's a, that's comedy coming from a different place because you know who these people are and you know how they interact with each other. And yeah, there are wacky, wacky jokes aplenty in this too, but it doesn't, it doesn't rely on that same kind of rhythm because it knows it's got these characters and this setting and it can use those to make you smile and make you laugh in a, a different way than a, a quick zinger of a joke can. They're, they're not afraid to go to the emotional heart and they don't overpress that button either. They're, they're not going for that right. moment where a live audience would go, oh, they yeah. just want it. They just want that. Th- like the, 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 the last episode of, the, of season five, uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, whatever episode it was, the, the second part of the two parter where Leslie, go- Leslie goes to London and gives, yeah. <laughs> gives, gives around the winning gifts. They just follow these instructions. Here's some, here's some tickets and you'll be very, very pleased at the right. very, very end of it. And because Ron has this, this relationship with her and he doesn't want to travel, but he does it anyway. And the fact that it basically leads him to the perfect spot to enjoy Europe in and gives him this one line where he, she has the annoying b- ability to care about people and take, <laughs> and, and make you, make you, uh, anyway, it was, it was. Again, yep. unnecessary, unimportant, but they weren't afraid to be have cynical people accuse them of being overly sentimental. That's a that's that that takes guts in a sitcom. Oh yeah, not to mention a show that actually let Rob Lowe do something successfully for the first time in like <laughs> ten years. Oh, he's funny man. as he's funny as hell because he is allowed to be a pretty boy. <laughs> I'm I'm a pretty boy. I'm a fancy lad. Well, and and uh, Adam Scott, you know, um, oh, Adam who Scott's was great, great. In, in, oh, well. in in Party Down, and uh, is great in this, and yeah. and I think puts the the whole fact that they that he comes in and um and and they fall in love and get married, and you've got your main character getting married, and you know what? It's a there's plenty of comedy in them falling in love. There's plenty of comedy in them getting married, and there's plenty of comedy in them being married. And you know, mm. a series that avoid those kinds of 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 uh, places in somebody's life because they're afraid that if they if they change, they're going to ruin things. I, this is another great example. But they do that with with everybody. I mean, like that. The another episode that gets me for that is they they go they take an episode where. You know, where uh, Andy and April are going to get married. Yes. And they start you at the episode thinking, oh my God, this is such an awful idea. Like, <laughs> just because these two characters are so, you know, terrible in different ways and immature and that kind of thing. And they totally win you over the course yes. of that episode to show you that, the yeah, okay, these guys are immature and a little bit bizarre, but they're also, you know, in love and clearly, you know, make a great pair. And they've done a great job with those two characters too. I really, I love those guys. I love Chris Pratt. I think he's, I think he is a, <laughs> yes. I think he is a star basically. And I think he is going to get to the point. I think you know, he's got a couple starring roles coming up in yeah. the next year. And I think he is, he could be an A-lister. Like he's just, he's great. He's fantastic. You, you, you read about the formation yeah. of this show and you feel, you you really see the payoff of all these actors that they cast because we don't know the the producers are, and the writers are saying we don't know what we're going to do with this character yet, but we really really like this actor. We figure if we just we'll have him walking through some scenes and we'll figure out what to do with them later. And I think that that's exactly yeah. it. Well, let me tell you, Andy, Chris Pratt is. Uh, I would argue now. You could say that that uh, that the character of Les, Le, Leslie Nope is is not served well in the first six episodes that you didn't watch because people <laughs> wisely. I mean, and because she seems annoying, and that's actually I think a huge problem with it. But 
as a side note, Chris Pratt in the first six episodes, I have not hated a character more <laughs> than Chris Pratt in those episodes. Yeah. He's awful. He is because he is Anne's yeah. boyfriend, and he's a he's a loser, and he's dragging <laughs> her down. And he's going to live in the bottom of the of the pit, and he's he's just he's a failure who's ruining it for uh, somebody a character that we're supposed to like, and. Uh, the fact that they turned him around, not just the show, but that character, and redeemed him is uh, shocking <laughs> to me because he was really um, not well served in that first season. No. But they, they, you know, the, the, it's hard to even think about that now, considering how how wonderful and, and lovable that character is. Oh yeah, I'll just assume like the first season isn't the American version; it's like the the Austrian licensed yeah. version where they recast <laughs> it, and they, the writers didn't really understand the characters. It's the North Korean version, really. It's... <laughs> I think I think we can all agree that Jerry is the worst, though, right, guys? <laughs> oh, Jerry! Oh, God, yes, oh, <laughs> Gary, stupid Jerry. <laughs> That's the only character I trip over because it's. I, I guess that it's supposed to be sort of an affectionate sort of blaming everything on Jerry. That there's so many times where is I'm it? thinking, oh man, it's like the, Jerry should leave at this point. If 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 you weren't like two years away from retirement. You know, it feels like why are they being so mean? He to does him? retire and then he comes back. Jerry with his beautiful wife and his beautiful children. I yes. love that's that's the hilarious part. Yeah, with Christy Brinkley. Christy Brinkley. Wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerry's Jerry's the one who's laughing. Who's laughing now? It's Jerry. I love that. The Whose name is not Jerry. It's Gary. <laughs> I just never corrected anybody. <laughs> All right, we, we are uh, we are rapidly running out of time. So if uh, people would like to mention other shows, let's let's other new shows that have caught your attention for good or for for ill. This would be a good time to mention them. Well, um, I I gave a try to all the new Thursday night comedies, both on CBS and NBC, and right now they're still, you know. They're still kind of like misshapen lumps of dough that are still baking. But so far, I'm sticking with the crazy ones on CBS. That's the Robin Williams and Sarah Michelle Gellar in yes. a David E. Kelly script. Mork and Buffy. Um, Mork and Buffy. <laughs> Buffy should not do comedy. No. But but I would watch Mork and Buffy. Um That'd actually be funnier. I've only seen the pilot of the crazy ones. And what struck me about it that was interesting is I thought that they used Robin Williams effectively and i was kind of afraid of how they were going to use robin williams and the pacing of it it yeah. felt like i was watching a movie more than a sitcom in that it, it didn't seem like the, the way the the it was like well because it's david kelly it was like rapid fire dialogue and so i felt like i was listening to listening to like you know snappy dialogue and not listening to I, I talked about sitcom rhythm i felt like the crazy ones at least in the pilot episode didn't have a sitcom rhythm it had issues yeah. and i'm not sure i really loved it but it didn't feel it felt like more like i was watching half an hour of a rom-com rather than <laughs> a sitcom it really needs to be an hour-long show i mean david e kelly has that style and he's i mean it's he's it's gotten a little better in terms yes. of sitcom pacing I think I think uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar has been horrifically miscast because she's just yes. not good in this at all. No. All she's there to do is basically like look at her father well, and be like, "Come on, let's take this seriously," right? She's she's the the, the typical shrill, exasperated David E. Kelly right. heroine, and she's just. I mean, now she nails that, but I don't want to watch that. Yeah, yeah no, um, she's. But get rid of her. almost everyone else in the show is a lot of fun. It's true. And it's it's really fun to watch the three men, uh, Robin Williams and James Wolk and Hamish Linklater, um, bouncing off one another. They're fantastic together. 
And it's it's really neat that they show the outtakes as the end credits, because you can see some of them are keeping up with Robin in terms of improv and ad lib, which that's no mean feat. Right. Um, and it's sort of like the Gene Siskel test of, uh, you know, would you almost rather see these people sitting around talking instead of watching the thing they're making? Sometimes I wish for shows like that to be canceled so that people who are good can go on and do better shows. Like James Walk, I really I've liked in a couple other things. It's like, yeah, someone needs to give him another shot at a starring role because he was pretty great on Mad Men and in the short lived Lone Star. Yeah. Oh, that was so, so sad. Um, but yeah, the, the other one I'm sticking with on Thursday nights is the Michael J. Fox show, which um, is it's still gentle. It's not laugh out loud all that much although occasionally there is a good laugh line but what's interesting is that the the actors all have a wonderful chemistry already and you just you sort of want the writing to catch up to the the characters and and you know it could be it could be really good it's almost there but it's on after sean saves the world which makes me want to put a bullet in my head so (laughs) And that's the nicest thing I could say about it. I watched uh, two minutes of Sean Saves the World and said, okay, that's done. (laughs) Yeah, Michael J. Fox show, I watched the first two or three and, you know, I felt no no need to watch more of it. It was, you know, it was a show. And also, actually, what struck me about that show is that it's two shows. It's there's a workplace and a family yes. and they seem to not it, it almost seems like, you know, sometimes they're legendarily their shows that like they had their first season and it's atypical and then they like New Heart is like that and there's some other shows that Barney are, Miller. Bar, right. And 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 then they figured it out. And I feel like Michael J. Fox show is like this the, they're accepting that that's the gambit. It's like we're just gonna do both and see which one works. And then I imagine that if it comes back for another year, it'll be like, well, the work thing didn't work out. Or we don't see the family much anymore. It's more about him at work. Because it it can't be too... There's too many characters for a half an hour show. It's too much. Any other new shows people want to highlight? Uh, Well, yeah, the other other show I'm still looking forward to, there's a couple shows I'm looking forward to, like Almost Human, which is not debuted yet. Yeah, its debut got, we we were actually going to be able to talk about it, and then they pushed back the debut two weeks, so we're we're not going to. This weekend. But I'm excited, because I like Carl Carl Urban a lot. Yeah, the previews look very good for that. And it's from the people who do Fringe and Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, those guys are basically like like one of two games on television right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, like I, I've picked up like three or four new shows in the past couple of months, but all of them are returning shows that I missed the first mm. time. So they're new to you. You know, they're they're new to me, but 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 it it just shows you it really for me at least it, it I'm just not willing to I, I can't get excited about a new show. Not excited enough to change my schedule or add it to the DVR. Like I, I missed the first uh, season of Bob's Burgers, and now that's one of my favorite shows. I, I think it's an exceptional oh, yeah. show, completely out of place on the same uh, in front of uh, in front of <laughs> an hour worth of uh, Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, see, that's why I stayed away because uh, that's a uh, that's too close to Seth MacFarlane for me. Yeah, and, and plus, again, <laughs> it was another case of I saw the I, I saw the previews. They picked all the wrong jokes. They highlighted all the wrong parts of this show. And then part of it was, oh, so they have like grown up men playing the parts of voicing the parts of like young uh, child girls, how adults swim of you, how avant garde pass. And of course, that, that, that aced me out of enjoying the show earlier. All right. I'll watch it. I, I was listening to a sit or a podcast uh, 
with writers from The Daily Show and they were talking about returning TV. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people, I respect their comedy chops and they were all in agreement that Bob's <laughs> Burgers was great. And I thought, really? Really? Because all I can judge it by is those stupid Fox promos. I'll, I'll say, I'll say two, two or three <laughs> quick things about it that make it unique. Number one, they have the this. I think it's the only uh, cartoon show where they have the actors like all recording their lines at the same time, so that either on the East Coast and West Coast simultaneously over ISDN. So you have characters actually interacting with each other and even talking over each other, which totally changes the energy of it. Secondly, they're writing kid characters like their kid characters. The the if you yes. the one the one show that will almost certainly hook you is the the Halloween episode that just aired a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> where the kids the kids want to have this great great plan to like absolutely win Halloween trick or treating they're going to have their parents make them a dragon costume and they're going to be four kids under it but they're going to tell everybody when they ring the doorbell they're going to tell everybody there's 10 kids under there and it's it just it was so nostalgic for me because this is the <laughs> mentality of you when you're like 8 9 10 years old and there's this one night where you can just go from house to house and get free candy and that's just the one of the perfect perfect episodes and uh, and, and again, the the ability to have that moment where here is a moment where we can either ruin it by being sarcastic and cynical, or we can have a line that says that these people have relationships with each other that are good and sustaining. Okay, we will not we will go we will not do the zinger. We will actually go for that nice moment to button the episode with. Just so really, really, and 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 the music. Oh God, the music! Like they're for, oh the songs for, exactly like the the the, the from the the Topsy episode last uh, last yes. season there's a, a where there there's like a science fair project that involves thomas edison and the, one of the girls like wants to like sort of point out to a teacher that edison actually had an elephant executed but the other brother writes this like little musical about the electrocution of the elephant and it's a great song like you wind up just sort of like singing it for the rest of the day <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah i mean that, that's a show that a lot of people, you know, I stayed away from it because I was like, ah, it's, you know, it's in that Fox block. And, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people I know kept saying, oh, you should watch this. This is, you know, you're, it's your kind of thing. And I kept thinking, wow, you just don't know my kind of thing then. Okay, <laughs> fine, whatever. And about, I don't know, about a year and a half ago, I was laid up for a weekend. And I'd, you know, I was just sort of like, eh, what do I want to watch? Eh, I'll try Bob's Burgers. And I just pounded through all of season one on Netflix and all of what was of season two on Hulu in like two days and went, oh, God, I was an idiot. Of course. Yes, exactly. this is my thing. But my favorite kind of show is the one where you start late and then you think, I've got my head up my butt for not. I could have been enjoying this show mm -hmm. for a year and a half and I'm just starting to enjoy mm -hmm. it now. But then you get to watch it all in one huge That's chunk right. and feel like you've just That's OD'd, right. which is great. <laughs> yeah, like me and Supernatural, Dan. <laughs> Someday you'll finish it, oh. Jason. Uh, I, I also, Dan, you mentioned uh, Almost Human. I, I should throw out there that uh, I haven't seen, I'm not sure any of us have seen Jonathan Rice Myers' take on Dracula in NBC's Dracula. Take Dracula, please. <laughs> Which I prefer to uh, CBS's Dracula. <laughs> CBS's Dracula is a courtroom drama. Yeah, it's a uh, procedural. CBS's Dracula is Sherlock Holmes. It's CSI Dracula, <laughs> That's actually. Right. <laughs> CSI Transylvania. He's moved to New York. He's partnered with Lucy Liu. Yes, CSI Dracula is the worst because in every episode they catch the guy. It's Dracula. It's Dracula. And he goes, blah, you caught me. And he turns into a bat and flies away. They yeah, damn, it, Dracula. damn it. Next week. They're going to get a net for the bat. Close the window, damn it. Sometime in the third act, they, they finally get, Chief, we got the DNA traces back. It wasn't just two stab wounds with an ice pick as we originally thought. <laughs> 
Dracula struck again. <sighs> Damn you, Dracula. Looks like we're going to have to take a bite out of this suspect. Blah, tried to get me this time. Blah. I've been framed. It was a stapler. The incomparable Dracula will be just like this. <laughs> Sorry, no, Jason, that was CSI Count Chocula. <laughs> Yeah, well, very, very close, very close, <laughs> legally distinct. Actually, the count is it was one of my yeah. big influences <laughs> for that character. <laughs> two, two puncture wounds. <laughs> He's more of a serial killer, the count. <laughs> Mr. Booberry, I just don't know why you're protecting that bag of scum Dracula <laughs> like this. He would flip you in five seconds if he were in this room. And you know it, and I know NYPD it. NYPD Booberry. Law and order. <laughs> all, all of this is far more entertaining than NBC's Dracula. We, we assume. <laughs> we assume. We didn't watch it. We haven't seen it. We just mock it. I turned it off. NBC's Dracula pairs nicely with the promo I saw the other day for I, Frankenstein, <laughs> which, which looks like one of the worst movies ever. <laughs> it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Oh, God, that looks bad. <laughs> did somebody, uh, before we started, did somebody say that they wanted to... Uh, talk about masters of sex because now's your chance that's a new show oh i'm watching masters of sex you're learning anything scott (laughs) (laughs) uh i uh i am well you know they i I didn't realize that johnson and masters uh use themselves in their sexual research uh which i i question the um the uh ethics professionalism but yes it seems iffy but the show itself is uh very good uh not for the kids no. Uh, it's got a lot, of, a lot of naked people doing uh, what naked people do. Play Scrabble. Aerobics? Scientific experiment. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it, it is it is uh, quite good if you have uh, whatever channel it's on. Show Showtime. 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 <laughs> That's an endorsement, Scott. This is a show you should watch if you have that channel. <laughs> that channel. Well, the problem, the problem, though, is I associate the Showtime jingle with Dexter. So right. every time the showtime thing starts, I'm assuming I'm about to watch people get horribly killed. But no, I'm about to watch people have sex in a hospital. So it takes a, takes a mind shift. So good news. Wow. Good news. It is kind of good news. It's wow. true. What a relief. We were talking about um, shows that are delightful discoveries. And, and uh, I, I mentioned this on a previous episode, but I'll throw it out now because they just, I think, just re-ran it. Um, and hopefully it'll be going on streaming too. Probably the best show that I've discovered in the in this year is um, BBC America's Orphan Black. Oh yes, which I highly recommend. I like that a lot. It is a uh, strange show. Uh, it gets better and stranger as it goes, and it has the performance of the year in Tatiana Maslany as about five different characters each playing multiple versions of the other ones. And it's not to be missed. It's a lot of fun. It builds as it goes. I don't know what the hell they're going to do for season two, but I really, really enjoyed season one of Orphan Black. And I actually just re-recorded the re-air because I want to I watch it again because it was that's, so good. That's so. almost the kind of show you would expect from Joss Whedon, in a way. Well, right, right. Back in, before he was shepherding billion-dollar franchises around. It is a, it is a weird... Uh, character driven it's a high concept show I mean about these women who are all clones and so they're all played by the same actress but uh, it goes it, it 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 plays that premise to its its fullest and it's much more about the the characters than you might think um, and the the you know it gets funny as it goes um, lot, great supporting cast too lots of good stuff so 
I recommend that one, even though that's been out a little while because uh, that was my that's that's my real winner of a discovery, I think, of the year more than any of these shows this fall so far. I got two recurring shows that I I wanted to give a shout out to. One is Arrow, which I think I've mentioned before, which is not like it's kind of on the Sleepy Hollow level, basically. If you like comic book stuff, this is a show like, you know, that did it much better than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is how do we take, you know, a superhero uh, and make him interesting every week. Um, And it's quite good. And there's a lot of DC Comics continuity. They are throwing in lots and lots and lots of DC Comics stuff. Mm. Um, In more recent episodes, Rachel Ghoul has not showed up but been mentioned many times. The League of Assassins. Um, You know, lots of uh, great DC Comics fanboy nods and it's and it's fun and they have you know good characters and decent writing um and good casting um so i i actually think that that show is pretty great i i yeah that's on my list of of going back and watching season i watched the first season all over the summer and then like started up with the second season when it just kicked off and they have really not pulled like they went full throttle into the second season so it's a it's pretty entertaining all right and the other one is um Legend of Korra, which if uh, is the follow-up to the Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, gorgeously animated series on Nickelodeon, actually. Um, and I think they're about in the middle of the second season right now. And talk about a show that manages to, to be both funny and incredibly touching at times and just all, all around beautiful with some great voice acting. And it's just, it's a fantastic show. Um, and it's pretty accessible. I think it probably helps if you've seen, uh, Avatar, um, which is a lot longer, but this is, you know, I think they're on their second of, you know, 13 episode season essentially for Legend of Korra, but it looks a lot better than Avatar in many ways. The animation is superior. Um, so yeah, that one gets a huge thumbs up. That's a great show. All right. What else? This is your, this is your last chance to put in a plug for a new or returning show that you like. This might be kind of an unplug. Um, I've been, I, I came back to How I Met Your Mother because it's the final season. And it is. Some of us have been watching all along because oh, we're just, poor. Stockholm Syndrome is lovely this time you're of poor, year. Yeah, dumb bastard, my God. Um, yep. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting idea. I mean, part of what brought me back was was the structure that the entire season is taking place over the course of this long weekend with with the you know culminates in the wedding and then meeting the mother and what i'm finding is that first of all it's really weird that jason siegel is sort of separated from everyone else in the cast yeah. it's almost like that last season of the bob newhart show where there are like seven or eight episodes where where bob calls and says hi i'm on the road and he's not in the rest of the episode which is really weird and he just wanted a vacation for the last season and uh, so that's weird but the other thing i'm noticing is by taking it down to this micro level um it's really highlighting everything you could possibly hate about every one of these characters it's it's really hard to watch and every now and then there's a nice moment and then they go back and do something yeah, really annoying it's... it's like oh oh it has that sitcom problem we were talking about earlier where yeah, after yeah. nine seasons, it's like this This show used to be brilliant and funny and they just kind of devolved into let's hit the same three notes yep. 
you know, for each character. And that's unfortunate. Every character is distorted and a parody of the original character. Yep. And like you, Dan, I've watched them all and I'm just going to grind through it till the end because yeah, we're at the end now. And every now and then there is a glimmer, a glimmer yeah. where you realize that this, the, you know, but, you know, yeah. And these shows were not made for this many episodes. This is that, yeah. that it's that yeah. classic Simpsons line. Uh, that was said by Phil Hartman, which is, you know, we'll continue until the series becomes unprofitable. <laughs> and I think about that with these, you know, when you're in season eight of a sitcom, it's like there is nothing left here. There is, I mean, it, it's rare. It's it, it's not impossible, but it's rare. And it usually takes some kind of bold new directions on and new characters to make it different. And how I Met Your Mother is the same characters we started with, yeah. and they've just been in this p- period of kind of arrested development. And they, you know, what what passes for change is that two characters come together and then they split apart and then they come back together again, which isn't change at all. And the characters don't really change, right? Like that's it. The situation changes. At the beginning, it was a brilliant kind of like un sitcom, oh, yeah. and now it's just a yeah. sitcom. And, and it's really weird that you know when you get to the ninth season. This is one of the few shows I've seen where they they didn't develop any other characters. There's no surrounding world around these people, except for you know the occasional guest. But I realize that I'm I'm, I'm potentially touching the third rail of of nerd <laughs> pop culture here. But as somebody who has also seen every episode of The Big Bang Theory, I, I would argue say. that the reason that the Big Bang Andy may be with me on this, the reason the Big Bang Theory is still interesting at all now is because over the last few years, they introduced three feet. Well, there were two, there was already one female character. They introduced two female counterparts to other characters and created not only a dynamic between the, those female characters and their male counterparts, but a dynamic between the female characters that added an entire, like an entire other sitcom on top of the existing sitcom premise. And that's why Bing Bang Theory still has any interest to me at all. It's because they realized they kind of had wrung out the interaction between this small group of characters and they added more characters, and they saved their show. And and they let the the original characters grow and change and evolve. Yes. Exactly. Yes. And 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 part and part of that is that this this introduction to these outsider characters that quickly became insider characters because you know because uh, Sheldon and Amy Fetter Fowler, Amy really is his counterpart. Only she's a lot more sophisticated. She was exactly on the same level as uh, as Sheldon when she was introduced at the end of that, the, that of that yeah. season, where she's only she's going on this date because his mo- her mother has a has a deal with her that she'll go on, on one date a year, and this experience has opened her up as a person and taught her that wow, it is kind of cool to be in a relationship. It is cool to have friends. It is cool to hang out. I should be more social. Meanwhile, and if Sheldon is still sort of treading water, that's a, kind of okay by this because we get to see here's what he could be doing if he were a little bit more able to adapt and change. And I think that I I, I keep ho- I keep wanting to write the the one of the most embarrassingly geeky blog posts I've ever c- contemplated, which is just here is a breakdown of all the dynamics of Big Bang Theory <laughs> and where if 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 my faith in the in these writers is is underscored that they're gonna at some point let all of this come to a head because there has to be a, there has to be a scene in which. Uh, it was Sheldon realizes he can't be have a boyfriend anymore, and Amy realizes that this is not something that she would have thought three years ago, but she can do better now. 
because now she is more developed. So, but and J- but Jason, you're absolutely right. It's like you could have an entire show in which the in which the A story is these three ladies. And the and the men who are you know the, the the launch pin for the entire series are just oh well and plus they have to fix the wash the, the guys have to fix the washing machine but really this is all going to be about 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 the about the ladies having a long long discussion about about their lives that would be great well and you know it's like the other week you know this is a show that started out as a very standard issue sitcom you know very basic joke delivery system and yep. you know and I've watched it from the beginning and if you had told me at the beginning of the series that, what, seven years in, they're going to do a thing where Wallowitz is not only married, but he's romantic, and he sings this beautiful song to his wife, and that I would tear up watching that song. Exactly! And I was... Seriously? It's it's like... This... It's like just, just like just like some people will be like watching watching like a, a football game in which someone's running the ball from the twenty to the thirty to the forty, then into their own end zone, and you're begging them, "Don't fall, yeah. don't fumble, don't <laughs> fall, don't fumble." I was watching that beautiful, beautiful song, that beautiful, beautiful moment, and it's like, "Oh, please don't end with a joke where because she was behind glass, she couldn't hear that at all." Yeah. And she asked, "What did you just do?" Please let this be. Oh yes, yes, yes! Touchdown! <laughs> you let it be an authentic moment. God, I love you, Chuck Lorre. I forgive you. I forgive you for two and a half men. <laughs> and and I gotta say, you know, the they've released the song on iTunes uh, with the original cast singing it. It's a different recording. It's it's slightly more polished. And all the proceeds are going to charity, which is wonderful. And I went and bought it. And 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 the actor who plays Wallowitz, he was actually playing. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Anyway, yeah. And he's in uh, Dr. Horrible Sing-Along Bog by Joss Whedon. See, we brought it all the way back around. Too bad it's a bad show. Oh, Scott. (laughs) It's no Supernatural. No. Well, what is, Mm. really? Well, and on that note, I feel like what we've done here is proven that we have no lives and what we do is watch television. All right. You got us. Court adjourned. You got us. Guilty as charged. This is is like the final episode of Seinfeld. That's right. (laughs) That's right. We can't escape. We've proven it. We've talked ourselves into a corner. L- listeners, you're you're no better. You're listening to us talk about television. What does that make you? No, that means they're better than us because they listen to people talking about television. They don't actually watch it themselves. I, well, no, at least we're out there living television. You're just living <laughs> television vicariously through us. Okay, so that there there you go, done and dusted, except for the stuff we didn't talk about in that show that they premiered two weeks late, so we couldn't talk about it. But otherwise, we have uh, we have wrapped up Fall TV. I hope we've given you some ideas of things that you want to watch, or we've maybe made you shake your fist and go, "Yeah, that bothered me too." I don't know that those are all valid choices. Those are all valid responses to this episode. Watch what you like, even yeah. if it's the Big Bang Theory. Even if you yes, yes, even if you have a heart and are watching the big dang theory and are not a heartless uh, monster like scott <laughs> oh did that did i say that out loud it works for me <laughs> all right but you are watching masters of sex so it's true so haha who is winning it mm. is a fine example of programming on the whatever channel it is on if you have that channel <laughs> that is true if you have that channel if you have that channel watch that show that's on that dial channel. it up yep good advice <laughs> or at least advice all right, so I want to thank my guests, as always, to the uh, Couch Potatoes of the Incomparable. Dan Morin, thank you for being here. Always a pleasure. I got to go watch some TV. Yeah, yeah. I got a, I got a half a season of Supernatural still to go through. Scott McNulty, thank you, as always. Thank you for having me on. 
I forgot to mention The Good Wife, so watch that too. Okay. Are there book versions of the TV series that we should be keeping an eye out for? Turn turn TV into book? Book into uh, TV? I, I do have a, a collection of short stories about Columbo. Okay, good. So look look for that. Check that out. David Lore, thanks for being here again. Thank you as always. I'm, I'm just going to go over to my bookshelf and pull off all the A-Team novelizations, which I kid you not are mm. sitting right there. Oh, the A-Team. Yeah. That's a classic. What are the, do they? How do they describe the scenes where they build uh, build something in the middle as an interlude in with music playing? Detail. They just describe the music. It's really weird. <laughs> do they have? Do they have like charts of how they built the uh, flamethrower to put on top of the van? Or do they just go? Ed, they built a flamethrower out of things they found. It's actually thirty pages of BA saying, "I ain't getting on no plane. I ain't getting on no prune, fool." <laughs> See, Dan. Dan knows the A team. He can make a reference to the A team. The beast in the belly That's of true. a Boeing. I love the A team. Yeah. And Andy Anako, thank you so much for being on the Incomparable TV special TV edition. You're an excellent host, Ron Swanson. <laughs> and that wraps it up for this week's Incomparable. I hope you've got some TV to go uh, watch. Fill your DVRs. Uh, enjoy. Settle down in the couch with a little cup of tea or a, yes. some other sort of adult beverage and, and watch NBC's Dracula. <laughs> Fill your DVRs with tea. (laughs) And until (laughs) next time, this is Jason Snell signing off for The Incomparable. Thanks for listening. 